Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm here with my co-host, Jim Thompson, on this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Lone Star Content Marketing in Denton, Texas. Partial support for Law Talk Radio comes from sponsor advertisers who cover our production fees. We encourage all our friends and colleagues to help sponsor the production of Law Talk Radio shows. Please send me an email for more information on sponsor plans and benefits at Nick at LoneStarContentMarketing.com. Don't forget, you can share all the on-demand links to our episodes in your social media pages when you see something you'd like to share. Uh, All of our podcast channels and programs are conveniently located on our main website located at LoneStarContentMarketing.com. You can also find our shows on our Law Talk Radio Facebook page. Well, for today's program, this is episode 16 in a series called Building Your Law Practice with Jim Thompson and Nick Augustine. We're going to switch gears a little today. We have been talking about referrals and are likely not going to be quiet about referrals uh, too often, but today we're going to take a a back look at uh, some practice management, um, specifically asking what is the backup plan if you become sick or temporarily disabled? And who can pick up and step up for you on client matters? Do you have a process or system in place? Um, So, you know, so many of us uh, who have worked in law have known of someone who all of a sudden needs to file emergency motions to continue and affidavits for all their cases because something happens. Um, The ball can get dropped. It can get bad. Clients can get angry. It cannot be, you know, it can be a bad thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and uh, some systems and processes that uh, can automate our system. And as we're talking about this, I'd like us all to also think about uh, the concept of succession planning because if uh, you have a wonderful assistant who does everything in the law firm and that person, something happens to them, uh, you may be the boss, uh, you know, looking at a desk drawer full of papers not know how to make a you know a or b out of it so that's what we're talking about today again i want to remind everyone listening that we have talked a lot about referrals on our program always want to stress that referrals are certainly the lifeblood of any business and especially with lawyers Uh, so we always ask why lawyers aren't getting the referrals they need to grow the practice well uh, our friend jim thompson here who's a retired attorney is the author of the book why attorneys fail to get the referrals they deserve and need to grow their practice and what they can do about it. So uh, Jim will tell some point during the program how to get in touch with him, get a copy of the book. Again, Jim Thompson is a retired lawyer, well-known for helping attorneys get on track to earning more clients through simple, cost-effective activities. And my name is Nick Augustine, and I'm the principal of Lone Star Content Marketing here in Denton, Texas, where we help lawyers and all sorts of small business owners and uh, organizations share the stories about what they do by writing their original blog content, managing all their social media, and producing Internet radio podcasts, videos, and newsletters. By way of general disclaimer, this is uh, the Law Talk Radio program, the general information program, and any advice shared on the show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with our attorneys and guests on the show cannot give rise to attorney-client relationships. But if any, anyone out there needs an attorney, Jim and I both know more attorneys than we could probably fill a room with. So give us a call uh, or get in touch. Um, enough from me. Let's say hi to Jim, and I want to hear a good story about how 
someone is saying, I should have had a system in place for temporary disability, sickness, and so on. Hey, Nick. Uh, good good to be with you again this afternoon. Um, and, and you pretty much introduced the topic. Uh, and basically, very simply, it's who's got your back. And, and what, are we, what are we talking about there? Um, some of you who I've had contact with, and, and, and I know Nick knows this, uh, I was in the military in Vietnam and, and was an advisor to Vietnamese uh, armored units and ranger units. And every time we went on an operation, we always made sure that, that somebody was, was, has our, had our back. And, and quite frankly, sometimes I was just out with my recon sergeant who was an American and rest of them were Vietnamese. So I always made sure that I made friends with a couple of Arbans that we were going out with so that I'd, hopefully they would have my back. Uh, where am I going with this? Quite frankly, something happened um, that I want to share with everyone out there last week. And it's it, quite frankly, it's something that I had not really um, thought about. I, you know, it's one of these things yeah, you hear about, you think about, but you don't really, really think about something until it kind of happens to you. So probably the best way is to relate a story or tell you what happened and how it really struck home to me. Um, I have a good client who is not a lawyer, but I do some other small business uh, consulting, who um, had a, a case uh, go against her in one of the local courts here. And as a lot of people who uh, have cases go against them, they, they wanted to appeal this case. And so um, I did not know an appellate lawyer that um, could handle this particular type of case, so I called another lawyer friend of mine who basically said, yeah, Jim, I can put you in touch with a, a lawyer that can handle the appeal. And so that's fine. And, and my client and I, we went and we met with this lawyer who, you know, basically said, yeah, I can handle your appeal and blah, blah, blah. And, and so um, the notice of appeal was due, and he almost missed the statute as far or the time frame with regard to the filing a notice of appeal, but it, it did get filed. And then uh, the way the, the, the procedure is here, the, the transcript needs to be ordered and, and sent over to the appellate court. Well, there was some delay in, in doing that, and I called the, the lawyer who I had uh, asked for the referral, and he said he would contact this attorney and find out what's going on. Long story short, the, um, the, we, again, almost missed the deadline for filing the transcript. But it did get filed, and so we were clipping along. And, and so I knew that, that you had 45 days. Here you had 45 days after the transcripts filed, file your brief, which um, would have been next week. And I happened to be up uh, where the Court of Appeals here is uh, in the Second Circuit, and I was meeting with another uh, client on something else, and I happened to go over to the Court of Appeals because I wanted to see what was in the record. I've been following this a little bit close as far as, you know, what's being done. And I found out that um, the attorney or had the attorney had somebody pick up the record, um, but nothing had been done. So I called and it was a, a, a brief due next week. I, I called the attorney who was handling the appeal, and I did not get a return phone call. Sent him an email, did not get a return phone call. And so I was getting pretty pretty upset at this particular point in time. So I called the attorney that I had uh, originally contacted about referring to, to an appellate attorney. He says, well, 
uh, let me check him, but I know he's been sick. And I go, well, okay, he's been sick, and what's going on? So uh, I guess probably the next day he calls me back and he goes, you know, here's the deal. This guy was diagnosed with cancer. It's pretty much spread throughout his body. He's been in and out of the hospital, and he has, uh, you know, had all kinds of chemo treatments and everything. It really didn't sound good, and I, and quite frankly, I, I felt bad that I got mad about the situation. But then again, I go, wait a minute. This really brings home a point. Had I not gone up, and this was just, I didn't do it, for any particular reason other than it happened to be near the, the appellate court building, had I not gone there, I would not have known when the brief was due. I would not have called this attorney, and I would not have called up. And guess what? There wow. would have been a brief filed. You know, so, mm. the, yeah. And and so what are you looking at? You're, you're looking at malpractice. You're looking at ethical violations. You're looking at all kinds of stuff. So the other attorney and I put our heads together and found out what we needed to do, and, and he, the, the, the attorney that did the referring, basically filed a motion with the court uh, asking for uh, the withdrawal of the other attorney and asking for, obviously, additional time to file the briefs to get substitute counsel, et cetera, et cetera. So I got to thinking, you know, had I, again, had I not gone up there, what would have happened? The time to file the brief would have come and gone, okay? And my friend, my client, would have been out of luck. Now, here's, here's, here's the other part of that story. Uh, if she would have been out of luck with regard to the appeal, how would I have looked being the person that actually referred her to this one attorney who then referred to another attorney? So I'm going, you know, I, I, I didn't like this situation from a personal standpoint, but then I got to thinking, what do attorneys who are primarily solo attorneys or, you know, maybe one or two uh, lawyers in the firm, what are they doing with regard to um, having somebody know where they are in a particular case, what needs to be done, et cetera, et cetera. And I started asking some questions of some of the lawyers. I just picked up the phone and I called them and said, let me ask you a question. If you got sick, you got hit by a car today, um, and we're in the hospital and you had a uh, statute of limitations, say, coming up, uh, in, in a couple of days, what would happen? Huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> exactly. Deer headlights. No one wants to think about that because, you know, what do you do if what do you do if you don't have? I you know, Jim. I'm just thinking about like I you know, friend sure. of mine who yeah. uh, pulled his back out one time, and you know, it was quick go through like who are your friends you trust who can step up and continue your case, but also um, not, I mean, it's, it's kind of a sensitive, I mean, just exactly what do you say? And uh, in, in this instance, we didn't want to tell anybody what happened, but we said it was a temporary medical condition because if people are unavailable with health concerns, people can go, their heads go in all sorts of different directions with that. Um, you know, you don't know what it is because, you know, the, the, the worst thing an attorney needs is people in the community talking about, well, this person's not healthy or able to practice law. I mean, that's a scare. It's really scary. I mean, just knowing what to say in that event, um, you know, having, a mo having that motion to continue crafted ahead of time and what language you'd use and how do you do that and who you'd call. This is such important stuff, folks. 
it's kind of a little bit about this is never going to happen to me. It's like one of the biggest reasons a lot of people don't have wills is because it, it, it brings up and conjures in your mind, well, this talks about death and I'm going to die. Well, here we are talking about a situation where you may become inca- incapacitated. You may die. Well, okay, it's not your problem if you die, but it's your family or you know whoever else is your heirs or, or whatever that, that's going to pay the price for you not figuring out, okay, what do I do if something like this happens? And you kind of hit it on, on the head a little bit, Nick. Okay, if I know, uh, if the attorney knows that, that they're, they're going to be incapacitated and sick for a while, maybe they can call them a couple of their buddies to kind of take over their, their caseload or whatever. But, you know, here's the other thing. If you're getting to that point where you're that sick or that incapacitated, mentally, are you even aware of what you need to tell the other people going on with the cases you're handling? So mm-hmm. I guess what I'm really trying to get out here is what you really need to do is come up with a system or come up with someone that you trust. Uh, you know, and these are primarily for solos, but again, you know, there's a lot of law firms out there that are law firms in name only. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, XYZ, you know, people think that's a big law firm. They got 15 lawyers in the firm, but they all may be 15 lawyers under the umbrella of a partnership if they attack partners. But guess what? Nobody knows what everybody's doing in that law firm. If you went into some lawyer and said, do you know what the lawyer down the hall is doing with regard to the real estate case? Jeez, I didn't even know he did real estate. I mean, I'm, I, I, and I've been very facetious about that. But this is what's going on. So my, my thought is, and I've been having, I guess, really come to, to the realization that after talking to five, six, seven lawyers that I know, that they have not ever thought about this. So what I'm trying to do today is to get you to think about who you can contact and sit down with if you're a solo or a small firm or even the people in your law firm and sit down and say, okay, what do we need to do or what do I need to do to keep you apprised of the the situation I have with cases? Okay, I've got a hey, case. Hey, Jim, a light bulb just went off. Look at the malpractice policy, the you know the insurance policy that says backup systems and redundant redundancies. Mm-hmm. I would bet that some policies may have language in there that requires someone to have backup and redundancy. And what if? there is no backup of redundancy in the case of emergency, and then something happens, like a malpractice claim, and then malpractice insurance doesn't pay that. Yeah. and, and, and If you and didn't have be, a system in place. Hmm? Well, you know, but, but, but even at that, the malpractice policy says, you, well, what's your backup system? And I say, oh, well, my backup system is my secretary knows what I'm doing. Or I've got Nick over here, my, my good buddy, and if something happens to me, Nick knows what's going on. You know what? I've written that down and sent that to my insurance carrier, and guess what? I've never talked to Nick. My secretary doesn't. I mean, she may be typing up pleadings and doing the secretarial stuff, but she doesn't know about statutes and limitations and everything else. And so I get a case in. Uh, what system do I have that somebody could go into my computer uh, and take a look at all my cases and say, okay, this is the case I'm working on. Uh, we filed this, the statute of limitation is this, or this date is important, or I got a court date. Uh, yeah, if you have a court date, right, 
uh, and you're sick, most judges are going to say, well, why didn't you tell me? But yes, okay, I'll excuse that. But if you have a statute of limitations, if you have, like in this appeal situation, if you have a certain time in which to file the, the appeal or whatever goes along with it, a notice of appeal, the breach or whatever, the appellate court's liable to say, tough, you know, you should have been doing something to cover that. I don't know. This is one of the things I'm going to really start researching and finding out if there is or are there any systems out there where, uh, for instance, Nick, you're you're an attorney in the law office with me, but we don't practice together, and I say to you, okay, here is what I have under on my computer, and it's XYZ computer program, and here's my password. If something happens to me, you can get into my computer and take a look at everything that's going on, and, you know, would you like me to do that for you? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, maybe uh, you get somebody else, but you start thinking along these lines that, wait a minute, I have to know, I have somebody who can back me up that can come in in an emergency. I mean, if I know I'm going to go into the hospital to have an operation in two weeks, I can, you know, file the motions with the court for extensions of time and all the other situation where you're driving to work today or you're driving, you're driving to the courthouse to file a complaint that's due you know, statute runs tomorrow, and you get in a car accident, and you're in the hospital. You're not seriously hurt, but you're in the hospital, and, you know, obviously nobody knows what's going on in your law practice, and you don't think about, well, yeah, I've got to get that thing filed by tomorrow, and you're in the hospital for a couple of days, and all of a sudden um, you missed a statute of limitations, and you say, hey, client, I'm sorry I screwed up. Here's my malpractice carrier, and... And you just hit the nail on the head with something, Nick. The malpractice carrier says, well, you said you had a backup in place, and you did. You violated the terms of the policy. We're not going to cover you. We're not going to pay. So, therefore, now you individually or your state or whoever the case may be uh, mm-hmm. is, 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 is in a situation where, guess what? And the insurance company's not. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I mean, I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios you can come up with here. And, and again, it, and you know what I, I'd really like to do, and, and I do get some emails from folks that listen to the program, so if, if any of you out there who listen to this at any time um, have anything, any suggestions or things that you do to, to protect yourself this way, please send me the idea, and I'll be glad to pass it on or or put it out to folks, and, and I'll certainly give you credit for it. I, I have no uh, interest in saying this is my idea. If somebody's doing something that really is going to help other attorneys and, 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 and help in that matter, you know, you've got a system, you've got something in place, this is what you do. Now, having said that, systems are great if you make sure those systems are working. In other words, I can come up with a great system for doing something, but if I don't follow up and make sure that system's in place and the people who are supposed to be, uh, I'll use you as an example, Nick, if I don't keep you informed maybe uh, on a monthly basis of, okay, here's some of the stuff that's going on in my office, and again, here's the password to get into you know, my cases and things that are going on, fine. Just like checking contracts. You know, yeah, you go into the emer- computer like an and you check contracts. Folder. It's sure. like an emergency folder. There's people who have that. I worked on someone with one of those, the emergency folder. We're almost out of time, but I want to run in and add something else too. Um, huh? Billing. 
This, I mean, I, I, my first tracking cases and all that was at the Milwaukee County DA's office, and they taught me how to notate the, you know, the file jacket on the side because those prosecutors have, huh, they have whipped through so many of those files, and no one knows who's going to be in court that day, so they have to be mm -hmm. able to pick up that file and know, like, whether the person was a violation of probation last time, whether they're on this or that or whatever. And the same thing applies to billing, I think, you know. So, you know, in firms where when you bill a certain way, you know that anyone else can pick up that, you know, file and go through the billing. The billing tells a story of what's going on, you know. And, and so even if you're just by yourself, just keeping good records of what's going on, and you can give those billing sheets to someone else that tell a story, um, that's also uh, very helpful. But again, you need to, you know, I, I suppose like um, it, my other thought might be throw something in your engagement agreement or retainer contract that talks about contingencies and what happens if there's a temporary disability and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and client you confidence have a right is to... another issue. You know, you give up, are you giving up client confidence? If, if you hand your billing over, you know, if you're Jim mm -hmm. and you give your, all your billing over to Bob here, um, you know, is your client going to come after you for, uh, you know, a you know, breach of attorney-client relationship and confidence is that way? That's another thing. So, again, document around this stuff, you know, prepare. And you almost have to think like an insurance agent. Or, you know what, talk to a good IP attorney. Those trademark lawyers, I always pick up my friend Nancy because she's always the rainy cloud when people have good ideas. But, you know, it's better to think about this stuff ahead of time than it is to get sucker punched uh, at the back end. Hey, it's only 12:21. actually. I was looking at <laughs> my computer screen. Oh, so I'm like, that's well, the we, date. All right. You're, 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 oh, gosh. You're talking fast. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> you short know, weekends, you know, long weekends, short work weeks. Yeah, short work weeks. Anyway, yeah, and that, that's kind of the whole thing. But you just brought up another interesting point that I hadn't thought about. Um, you have – you and I Nick, know each other – and you're my backup guy, right? And something happens, and, you know, I can go into Jim's computer, and bingo, there's the cases, right? And all right. of a sudden, you, keep, you come across the case, you know, a divorce case, say, and you happen to be representing the person on the other side, and I didn't even know this because it's a new case or something like, just came uh -oh. in. And, and you get the whole scenario of the notes that I Ooh, what happens then? Um, so there has to be something that, you know, none of this, but I would not worry about that as much as I worry about, you know, the, the other aspect of not being able to cover and not having my client protected because the most important thing is how do you protect the client uh, from disaster, if you will. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to that client? Now, you recover. Uh, you're, you're, you're back in your office and all of a sudden, you know, you've got to call the client up and say, you know what, I really screwed up because, again, I missed a statute or I didn't file something on time and I'm going to try and remedy the situation and that gets into another problem where you call the client up where you're really honest about the fact and say, you know, or you just say, maybe I can sweep this under the rug and then, then tell the client nothing's happened, blah, blah, blah. And we've seen that happen too. But mm -hmm. the point that I'm really trying to make here is make sure somebody else knows your calendar. Make sure somebody else knows your cases. Make sure somebody else knows the status of your cases. Uh, and, 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 and Jim, here's another thing. As we're making that list of things to know, let's also talk about the client who disappears. There are clients out there who oh. will fail to surface. They'll fail to show up. They'll fail. They just, there are some clients who just disappear out of thin air. 
Um, and a lot of people don't think about that either. You know, do you in a pot to put that in your engagement agreement and what to do? Um, you know, and letting them know that you'll withdraw at a certain point because otherwise, I mean, you're gonna be on the hook for this person who's like skip town. And I mean, people disappear for all sorts of reasons. Oh yeah, yeah, we've all Both had the that attorneys and the clients. Yeah. And have, oh, the client dies in the middle of you know what do you file? It's a motion for suggestion of death. I'd never heard about that until it actually happened. You know. I mean, you have yeah. to think about like all these things that can happen. You, you know, I want to. I want to. You just brought something to mind, and I'm kind of chuckling to myself. And uh, a client of mine, we're working on some stuff, and and she, she's a young young lawyer, very sharp young lady, and uh, very entrepreneurial. Uh, it's only been practicing a couple of years, but really gets it, and she practices in a really great niche area, but she asked me a question the other day and um, I, I wrote her back and I had to follow up and, and get some more information and uh, then she writes me back and she says, well, the case went south because of this, this, and this. And she goes, you know, this practice of law is very complicated and sometimes not an awful lot of fun. That's what we're <laughs> talking about. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, there's there's so many pitfalls out there. There's so many traps. There's so many this, so many that. Uh, and that's why I guess, uh, especially these young kids coming out of law school, hanging up their shingle, and somebody pointed this out to me the other day, um, you know, the kids uh, that, that just graduated from law school will be taking the bar exam, and then I don't know in different states how long it takes to get. But in another four or five months, we're going to have a whole bunch of new lawyers out there looking for work because they couldn't find a job and going, well, do I hang up the shingle or what do I do because i got student loans? And so... You know, now there's a whole other problem. You got lawyers out there that don't know what they're doing, taking cases that don't know what they're doing, and of course, and, one of the things I, I go ahead. And I'm picturing some of them, and I'm thinking of like the looks on their faces when they run into the bad lawyers. There are so many, especially those solos. Let me to all the solos out there. There are a lot of attorneys who are in solo practice at certain points in their careers. Some because they just want to be on their own. Some because they can't work with other people and they're messy. Mm -hmm. And there are lawyers out there who have bad drinking and drug problems. And young lawyers look at them like, how could this person possibly be committing horrible malpractice? Or how can this person possibly be so screwed up? Aren't they worried about their sure. license? Or, and, and I've dealt with them, uh, some of these people before, where you think, I'm getting this pleading here. And this person is either out of their rocker nuts or I'm completely crazy, something's good, there's a disconnect, go with your gut 100% of the time. But, you know, if you think something's not right, like write it down, make a note of it, but don't get run over by some senior attorney just because they're a senior attorney. I mean, they could have been, you know, in that year that, uh, you know, they admitted just about anyone who could hold a pencil and, the, <laughs> you, know, the, um, you know, the bar exam was as tough as, you know, how to order dinner. Um, and there are there it's there those the unexpected uh, things that like hit you sideways. I always went you know I always remember you know they didn't teach us this in law school, but my gut is telling me you know this is not right. My when you so when the red, red light goes off, think about those professional responsibility courses and everything they taught you about how crazy things can get and the things that you would never imagine other lawyers will do. Um, you need to you need to plan for that and what you're going to do. Um, and it's you know n no one ever comes at the beginning of a case and says 
I'm going to be the one to continue to delay discovery and all this and I actually be, you know, too drunk to show up for court. I've seen it and it, it happens, people. So um, you just have to yeah. really, it's like being prepared for battle. Um, you know, and I know that, Jim, I, I tease them a lot, but some of the younger people today play all these video games. I guess a lot of them are probably pretty, pretty well suited for uh, select, discard, and move on or, or make a quick decision. Um, you know, because those of us who came up from a little bit of a more naive background where uh, well, a lawyer couldn't possibly do that or someone wouldn't possibly not have a plan if their cases, you know, fall in between the cracks, but it happens. And, Jim, you and I have both seen it, so... You know, one other I thing I'd like people to pay attention. Mention, yeah. Yeah. One other thing, and, and for the solos, the young guys out there, the young men and women who have just gone into practice, find yourself some mentors. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about the traditional, formal mentoring process, but, you know, find yourself a couple of lawyers that, that are older, seasoned, been around, and, and ask for help. Most lawyers I know, we were in a discussion with, about this last night, with a couple of other lawyers, and go, Jim, you know, anytime a lawyer comes to me and asks me for help, I am glad to help. You know, yeah. I think I have an obligation. You young guys out there, if you, if you get a case in and you don't know what to do, find someone that can help you. Call a couple of your buddies, um, or, or not your buddies, but, but lawyers that you've met, and get out there and meet lawyers who, who may, they may not practice in the area you do, but just meet other older lawyers who you can call up and say, hey, John, you know, I got this case and do you know anybody that can handle a medical malpractice case? Because I don't know what I'm doing, thank God. I'm smart enough to call you. Well, Jim, I don't handle those cases, but I got a couple people that I can refer you to. Start thinking along those lines. You can't possibly take all the cases that are going to come to you. Find somebody that can help you. Mentor. Make mm-hmm. sure you're talking to other lawyers. They're glad to help you. I mean, I sound very passionate about this because I see this happening. Lawyers are out there taking cases, doing things, screwing up. They have no clue what they're doing, but because they need a buck, because their student loan is due, they're taking anything that comes in, and they're not getting any help. They think they can handle it. And a lot of times they get in very deep before they find out they're really in trouble. And sometimes you can't, mm-hmm. you know, this, this program today has been a little bit off the, the path of, of referrals and getting clients, but it, it's really about the, the, the business of law and the actual practice of the business of law and not the actual law itself. Make sure, and, and again, and, and I, I will say this, I've said it before, there's a great book out there, besides mine, of course, but uh, Michael Gerber wrote The E-Myth Attorney. And uh, if, if you don't have that book in your library or you can get a CD set and listen to it in your car, it's about 25 bucks. It'll be the best $25 you could ever spend. I just highly would recommend that you, uh, you, you look into getting that book because that is just absolutely – you know, there's a lot of books out there by some attorneys, and I can't even think of some of them, solo practice and all those, you know, that are $200 and $195 forever. This is $25. Mm-hmm. And it is probably the most down-to-earth practical advice you can get. And um, there's another one, uh, Jay Foonberg. Anything by Jay Foonberg on how to F O O N B E R G on starting a law practice. Jim, give the folks at home, if you could, your email address again, so they can ask for a copy of your book. Sure, it's J E T at lawyersmarketingresource.com. 
you send me an email, I'll send you the, the, the um, e-book uh, copy of my book. And again, if, 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 if this piqued any interest in thoughts about what you're doing to, to have somebody watching your back, uh, please send it to me and, you know, we can talk about this or the next program if I get some of these. Uh, suggestions. We'll start out the program with a couple of suggestions of, of what other people have shared. But, um, and, and I will tell you, I am going to start doing a lot more research into computer programs and things that, that are out there that, that can be used, that are available. Whether people are using them or not, um, I, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure there's some, some programs out there that are not designed for this, but can be used for this. And you know, that, that's what I'm going to be looking for. So I'll be glad to share that information with folks, too. All right. Good stuff. Good shows. I enjoy these. Jim, we'll talk next week. For all of you listening at home, please share these programs in your social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, because there's a lot of people out there looking for this information, and that's how they find it. So we appreciate everybody's time. Jim, thanks for your time, and um, we'll talk to you all next week. Okay. Have a great week, Nick. See ya. All right. Bye-bye.